Good morning, good morning. Whoa, it is already September 13th, and it is the first show of the season on Weightless and Mind, Body, and Spirit. And I'm your host, Dr. Carol Penn, doubly board certified in family medicine and obesity medicine, and your master movement meditation and mindset coach. And I am so excited and happy today to welcome our guest today even though we're talking about a really serious subject. And the subject is so serious, I felt like it couldn't wait. We couldn't start with fluff, we couldn't start with what's easy, we have to start with what's true. And timing is of the essence. So we are gonna be talking about the other pandemic and that's the pandemic of racism. And the beautiful human spirits that you see on screen now are people that, you know, we've all linked arms and we're walking side by side to make a, a difference in what happens in this moment, at this time, and in this world. And we're also involved in co-facilitating a course called Unpacking Raise Racism. We just completed 1.0, now we're doing version 2.0, and version 2.0 is going to be starting um, ooh, third week of September. So oh, good morning and welcome, Dr. Erica. We have one of our first early birds who's jumped on, who's going to be watching us live. And Dr. Erica knows a whole lot about this. She's one of the nation's top psychiatrists. And uh, she definitely understands and knows about trauma because trauma is a part of this pandemic. But I'm going to welcome our guests. We have five people already watching. So good morning, Victoria, and welcome. Victoria is one of our international guests. Um, now living in this country, in the state of Delaware. We, good morning, Christina. Oh, my goodness. So they're coming on live. They're letting us know that they're ready to get active and get engaged. So I am going to, good morning, Christina, and welcome. So I'm going to have each of my guests, I'm going to go around my little square here, what I'm seeing. So DM, would you please unmute yourself because... I would like you to introduce yourself and just DM is going to hold the space for arts and social activism. He's holding the space this morning for arts and social activism. So in this introduction, just give us a little, you know, two minute intro. Let us know where you're from and what you're doing. Well, good morning. Glad to be here. Thanks for organizing this. Um, I'm DM Jones. I'm also related to all of our I get here today, but um, super related to Dr. Carol Penn. I am um, Dr. Carol Penn's husband, but um, I've spent most of my life as an artist, managing artist, funding artist, um, working in social justice and activism. And I am um, really just happy to, to land in this place to that we are uncovering, that we are unpeeling. Um, this 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 big topic called racism. Um, you know, I was a raised uh, in the military, so I traveled around a lot and had experiences that were often left me as the only one, the first time anyone had seen an African American. Um, so that um, 
informed me a certain way. Um, but I also spent um, years in the recording industry and I co-founded and uh, directed a creative writing program that was exclusively for writers of color that was at six different universities over a 20 year period, um, which was another journey that um, gave me more just feeling and understanding of this, this what we call race. And I don't wanna give my definition at this point, but I'm really glad to be here. Um, I think that um, in, our, in our society, the biggest thing we have to promote so we can avoid some of the, the brick wall that we've hit is thinking, you know, we've been, we've been numbed down, we've been dumbed down and we're doing things that we don't really, we're not conscious of. It's like the, the McCoy's and the Hatfields. We hate because we're supposed to hate, really? I don't think so. So here we are unpacking racism Let's go. Thank you for having me. Thank you and welcome. We are going to move down to my other co-facilitator here, a woman who I have to say in this phase of my life, best friend, Dr. Kathy Farah. And Dr. Kathy, of course, uh, like myself, she's holding the space for healthcare, for, for medicine for family practice medicine, but I'm gonna bring Dr. Kathy on and let her go ahead and introduce herself and uh, just say welcome. In the meantime, we have Karen from all the way from Pakistan has joined. So we are truly global and international right now. Thank you, Carol and, and DM. And I'm so honored to be here, even though it's, 6 a.m. here in Wisconsin. I live in Wisconsin. Um, so right now I can actually say that I'm partway between Kenosha, Wisconsin and Minneapolis, Minnesota. So that tells you a, a lot right there. Um, so I'm four hours from Kenosha, but I actually work in Minneapolis, which is about an hour away from my home. And um, I'm a fan, I am a family practice doctor. I'm an integrative medicine doctor. And um, and uh, for me, it's been an honor to know Carol over this over the years, and all the, I've met all these people through the Center for Mind Body Medicine, and we always give credit to Dr. James Gordon and the Center for Mind Body Medicine, at least for myself, for um, teaching me techniques that we bring into unpacking racism. So my background obviously is, you know, I'm a woman, I'm a white American, and um, I've had to really come to grips and continue every day to come to grips with, you know, what that means. Uh, as my role in the world and even how the world sees me. And every day I'm learning something new. So, um, and I feel very strongly that healthcare is for everyone. Healthcare should not be determined by the color of your skin. I was horrified a number of years ago when children's did a, a the children's uh, clinic and hospitals that I work at in Minneapolis did a study and they saw that in our own institution that children in the emergency room were treated differently by well-meaning people, people like myself. And it's not a good or a bad thing, but it's how can we do better? So that's why I'm here. Uh, thank you and welcome. Very, very, very great big, huge welcomes. And now I would like to bring on a gentleman who's holding the space for law enforcement as well as the aquatics community friend, brother, and colleague, Mr. Thaddeus Gamery. Good morning. Thank you, Dr. Carol Penn, and good morning to everyone, and thank you, DM, and 
Dr. Kathy Farah for um, creating this moment and in, inviting me to it to contribute and to be a part of this coming from that background of law enforcement and uh, why it intersects with aquatics is because it was part of my self-maintenance and my healing and my transformation to have a connection to water and then to be able to learn how to share it. So uh, retired from the New York City Police Department, I was in the rank of Lieutenant. I was the chair of the Social Sciences Department. I was the commanding officer of promotional training unit. And I had a view of law enforcement from the inside and from the outside, growing up in the South Bronx, um, having experiences with law enforcement at an early age, and then um, seeing myself as maybe being a catalyst for change. The experience of uh, being part of this family now, the mind-body medicine family, uh, through the Center for Mind-Body Medicine has given me the tools and the awareness that I can powerfully, confidently, and humbly share my knowledge, my skills. So my struggle and my challenges had not have not been in vain. And I'm currently experiencing uh, some new uh, challenges as it relates to law enforcement and race and the systemic racism in this country. And I am grateful to be up this early in the morning and sharing with my lovely friends and, and the folks out there. So thank you. Excellent. Well, as my grandmother would always say, the early bird does catch the worm. So thank you to my grandmother. And again, we're, we're talking about, of course, that's just finished, Unpacking Racism Through the Lens of Mind, Body, Spirit, Meditation, and Movement version 2.0. And it's upcoming. And we would love everyone who's watching to join us. But first, let us share with you some of this journey. And let's get you involved. We want to hear from you. We want to know what your concerns are. We want to know what your definitions are about certain things. All right. So here's a, a, a statement from the opening of the course. To be Black in America is to be born into the trauma of the constant threat of police violence, conforming and self-centering to navigate that unfair sidewalk and avoid the traps. So one thought that I have as a medical professional is how does this impact public health? How does this impact the individual health of my patients, perhaps your patients, Dr. Cathy? How does this impact the population-wide of all patients, because I see the pandemic, the global pandemic of racism as a healthcare threat. This is a public health menace. And what can we do from within the medical community to eradicate this? I know in my lifetime, I've committed to ending racism in my lifetime. Yes, like I'm taking it on. It's a personal responsibility. I feel like if I don't see it that way, if I don't step up, then, you know, what's the point? Because I was a child of the 60s. I'm the child of the civil rights. And yet here we are today. 
I would say it even feels even more hate-filled hate -filled than the memories of my youth and the experience and the activism of my parents. So what does this all mean and how does it impact the healthcare of people living in black and brown bodies globally? So, you know, something to think about, something to think about. There are, are studies out there that show that unfortunately there is something called hidden bias or implicit bias within healthcare professionals ourselves and that care gets stratified according to the color of the person being treated and the color of the person that is doing the treating. And this is what Dr. Kathy was alluding to when she talked about the study that was done at her hospital. And it does matter. It varies, matters very much because it's costing people their lives. It means that if you live in a black or a brown body and you come into a healthcare institution all across this country, that you are going to get treated differently based on your color and that treatment could cost you in terms of mortality and morbidity. You know, the studies are out there. It's, it's an ugly fact. It's a horrible fact. There is great mistrust um, from people living, particularly living in black and brown bodies um, within the medical community because we've actually conducted experiments on people living on black bodies in this country and then not told them that we were conducting an experiment. And this caused people to die and to pass on disease to their families. So, and that was the Tuskegee experiment. So if you're not familiar with that, I always invite people to go the next step, look it up for yourself. Don't, don't wait to be spoon fed because I think the spoon feeding has also uh, been a negative. But I would just like to, to hear uh, from our panel, what have been some of your experiences as far as interacting and engaging with the, the medical community? and also from anyone out in our audience this morning that have had an impact, that might have had an impact on your experience because of the color of your skin. You know, what has your, what has your care been like? Or what have you witnessed? So I'm gonna bring that to light. I wanna un unpack that. This is something that people need to know about and hear about. It's, it's interwoven into the experience of living in these United States. So I will ask um I, I can talk, um, you know, obviously I haven't experienced it, at, but I can tell you about, you know, bringing a friend um, who was having chest pain, uh, a woman of color, a, a black woman, uh, to the emergency room and um, just noticing how she was treated. And she's, you know, she's an executive. Um, and, um, but just noticing once she got into the gown, and I always say, even when I put on a hospital gown or a, a clinic gown, I feel like I do, I lose my degree, I lose whatever. And I can only imagine and watching her, the experience and actually finding myself, you know, not wanting to speak for her, but yet feeling like I needed to, because I could just see how, I, I think unwittingly folks were dismissing her. Um, so that's, you know, like one little example that I can give and then I'll give the floor over to others. Yeah, 
Yeah, I've had the experience of being literally laughed at by the doctor uh, about my complaints and uh, dismissing my, um, you know, what I what I knew about my body and my health and what was going on at the time. I've had the experience of being um, told to have a, a procedure um, and, and forgive me, doctors, I'm not my my medical terms may be uh, off, but it was a, a where they take the cerebral fluid out of the spinal. They take a sample of it and the doctor hit my nerve. It tapped the nerve and 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 the proceed then after the procedure said, well, we didn't think it was we needed to do it anyway. Um, yeah. And, and this is the same doctor that ordered the, you know, the procedure. Um, well, he well, not he. He wasn't the one that pre- performed the the spinal tap or what would you how do you say it so that we could be correct so you know so i went through a journey being dismissed and i was correct in what i understood about my body and and what i was challenged with and then at some point they threw up their heads said okay you know we'll listen to you now yeah 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 and i'm sure some of our our viewers have also had similar experiences. DM, do you have anything to to chime in in that area? Well, you know, I also worked in the wellness field um, in traditional Chinese medicine uh, many years ago. And, you know, I found that I had to take that background when I went into to go to see a doctor. Many times you could see a doctor trying to move a little faster than they wanted to. So I have to stop them and slow them down. And the only way I could do that was to share my knowledge about what they were doing, um, my knowledge itself. And that usually brought a bit of, um, you know, kind of stopped them and let them go a little bit deeper because you had to ask, had to ask questions um, instead of just getting molded over by um, their brilliance. I remember I had a um, an issue with my foot and I went in to see the doctor and he says, um, well, you know who I am. He says, well, and he just went on with his resume and tried to impress me with all that he he did being the, I don't don't want to repeat his resume, but, um, you know, I found a lot of my experiences um, around um, being me, being, you know, six feet, seven inches tall and um, having people react to the color of my skin and the tone of my voice you know, finding techniques to get people to stop in their path, to listen, to answer my questions. And um, it's happened in doctor's offices. It's happened at conferences. And um, it's, I guess I'm used to flexing in that way. It just seems like a waste of energy sometimes, but a necessary step because we're all so impacted with this, 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 this drape that's put over our head about racism. So... Oh, thank you. So, and welcome and good morning to Sharon. I'm going to see if I can uh, uh, show this uh, comment because I I want to uh, share a little bit about what the course is about. There it is. So, and I'll I'll also just uh, read this. So, Unpacking Racism 2.0, our course description is that 
the destiny of this eight-week journey, eight-week journey, is to move us all closer to becoming anti-racist, even more than it is about racism in America. It is about examining our own ancestral bias, understanding where things, thoughts come from. For example, Republican, Democrat, was that the thought, belief, or orientation of your parents and likely their parents as well? When did you first learn about race, and what did you learn? So very important questions. And when did you first learn that you had been assigned to a particular race or color? And what did you learn about that? So that's what the course is about. And you saw the term in there, anti-racist. So I'm going to ask our viewers, what does that term anti-racist mean to you? And if you could go ahead and start to put that in the chat. And then we're just gonna go around again. And I'm gonna ask my esteemed panel here to share their defini definition of anti-racism. What does it mean to become an anti-racist? All right, so DM, I'd like to start with you and then we'll go Thaddeus and then Kathy, all right, how's that? Well, you know, anti-racism, to be an anti-racist, um, I'm glad to hear the word. I'm glad to see people thinking of it. But unfortunately, like many words in our society, it feels like it's become a cliche in a way. And I look at everybody's got a different definition. Um, and I ask everybody, you know, what's your definition before we go any further? So my definition of being an anti-racist is um, really being uh, in touch with your cultural orientation um, and being willing to um, ask yourself a question. You know, why am I reacting to someone in a certain way because of their their cover, their wrapping? Um, you know, race is, after all, a uh, when we talk about race, anti-racism, what is race? You know, is race the color of our skin? I don't think so. It's more than that, but we we stop at that sensory level that um, I'm looking at Thaddeus, and Thaddeus is a, I don't know anything all about Thaddeus, but I can tell by the color of his skin, I'm going to call him a black person. That means what? You know, why do I have these preconceived notions about um you know, this man walking down the street who has melanin content. You know, that's just, um, that's just how we're programmed. And I say it's time to deprogram, reprogram. Becoming an anti-racist is becoming a deprogrammer of self. Um, because we have, you know, everybody accept it. Everybody accept that racism is part of our being, as I said earlier. Um, you know, McCoy's and the Hatfields. You know, we've been, you know, wherever we look, we, we're being programmed by TV commercials, by songs, by um, sayings that people have, and we don't even know that we're offending someone else. Um, I can remember, you know, ch um, childhood, um, um, uh, like nursery rhymes that were really, really awful as I replay those tapes. And that for me is part of um, peeling back the onion. Um, so, but becoming an anti-racist is um, becoming in tune with yourself and aware of your interactions with other people and getting over this notion of um, prejudgment. So that's my definition. 
Uh oh. You're muted. I had to unmute myself. My goodness. So, DM, if you could go ahead and drop into the chat how people could register for the course, it would be great if there might be people who are watching that say, you know what? I want to get in on this conversation. It's going to be eight weeks. It's starting mid um, third week in September and it's going to run for eight weeks. We do have uh, one Wednesday off. It's Wednesday evenings, uh, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern time. And that's the Wednesday after election because whatever side you're on, whoever you vote for, I figure we're all going to be in recovery, we're all going to be exhausted. <laughs> I put the, the dates are in as well as a link to register, so um, all the dates are there as well as um, I'm just not seeing the registration link. So oh. you might need the registration link should go separate because they have to click on that. So maybe just have one with the uh, registration link so people can find out you know, how to join in because we, we do want you to join us. We need to have people who perhaps are defining for themselves what it means to be an anti-racist. So what does it mean to you and how do we get there? So Thaddeus, you have a comment. Yeah, um, anti-racism means to be aware that there is something called racism. It's real, it impacts people of color and white people in a certain way. It's real because people think it's real, but it's not scientifically uh, accurate that there is something called race, um, but it is what we live. It is the reality that we live and people operate from. To be anti-racist, to be conscious, to take a position, to do a play a role and take a part in correcting this uh, injustice, this inequity, um, and to, to um, always look at self. So even I, as a black man who became conscious of race and racism and slowly evolved into a higher level of consciousness of its systemic nature and the history of it, and there's so much more to learn, um, I ha I'm constantly feeding myself and, and filling myself. And matter of fact, even uh, Dr. Carol Penn, in our process of you supervising me through my uh, on my journey to becoming certified with the Center for Mind Body Medicine, you've pointed out to me certain things and how mindfulness actually benefits and contributes to even me being able to be on this show right now and articulate what I'm saying because my body's calm enough. There were points where if we wanted to talk about racism, I would be angry and I would be upset to the extent that. It would I, it, my my ability to articulate it calmly and clearly and and have a, a position uh, was interrupted. So the mindfulness experience has shown me the 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 common humanity that we share, and how and actually makes it so clear the the difference between something that is racist and something that is anti-racist. Oh, thank you for those comments and hold those thoughts because we're going to have an experience right here with the panel and with our audience on what some of those mindful uh, techniques can do in terms of shifting one's lived experience in the moment. I can't wait to 
have that experience. And I have to welcome Dr. Randy to the show and Dr. Andrea to the show. These are some of our colleagues who are joining in and I'm so excited to, to welcome them and to have them join this morning because we, we have some people who are watching that have national reputations themselves that are incredible um, healers and thinkers and just have made major contributions to forwarding humanity. So I'm always glad and humbled to be in not only the company of this panel, but in the company of our audience who is tuned in. So Dr. Kathy, you were going to share some thoughts on anti-racism or becoming an anti-racist. Thank you. And uh, thank you, Thaddeus, for the reminder, because as these eloquent definitions were being given, I'm like, oh, wait a minute, who am, who am I? I mean, I always my default is always, who am I? What do I know? And here I am. Um, so I felt my feet on the floor and took a breath, and we'll do some more breathing in a minute. Um, for me, I think, I'll be honest, I think when I first even, you know, became more aware of the word and the word of being an anti-racist, and in particular, Carol, when we presented at Overcoming Racism, you know, a year or so ago in uh, St. Paul, I, um, you know, I have a little visceral reaction, you know, I mean, am I a racist? And for me, for me, being an anti-racist is an action word. It's an action definition. And whether that means that I get up and speak at six o'clock in the morning and take a risk of what do I know and what, you know, what can I contribute? Um, and it really is acknowledging that, um, that there is racism. And for me, it's always having to look at my behavior and my unconscious bias. And um, in the words I choose or even like, oh, hmm, I had that reaction. I'll be darned. And not even realizing it for so many years of my life. I mean, Carol and I are pretty close to birthday buddies, birthday year buddies for sure. So we got a a few uh, trips around the sun under our belt. And um, <laughs> and for me also being an anti-racist is, um, is having, is to informing, is to inform myself. Um, it's not having to rely, not relying on other people, relying on other people to stimulate me, but also do also doing the work um, and really recognizing inequities and knowing um, and seeing how that really plays a role in what I really think is a basic right to healthcare. Um, I think that's all I'll say for now. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. I'm going to share a few short little uh, definitions. And again, I invite our viewing audience to go ahead and share what's your definition? What does it mean in your life? to become an anti-racist. And this is from, and, and in case you want to read from someone who's positioned himself as an expert in the field, Professor Ibram Kendi, that's Kendi, K-E-N-D-I, from his book, How to Become an Anti-Racist. It's really, he's really started quite a conversation here. So racist, one who is supporting a racial policy through their actions, or inaction or expressing a racist idea. So, and, and Dr. Kathy had just shared that being anti-racist is also an action state. You know, it's, it's a state of being anti-racist, one who is supporting an anti-racist policy through their actions or expressing an anti-racist idea. 
And yes, you know, and Thaddeus brought this up in his remarks, race itself is an artificial construct. There really is no such thing as race, but we have turned it into uh, states of being that defines who gets what, uh, who is treated which way. And again, this is, this is global. Race didn't come into a full-fledged idea until the 17th century, which is really late in terms of human uh, human history. Another definition of anti-racist is one who's expressing the idea that racial groups are equals and is supporting policy that reduces racial inequity. So it's, um, and, and from those definitions, you know, one of the things that I see, I also believe that being anti-racist in whatever skin you're in, is about action. It's action oriented. It is creating policy that eliminates inequity, policy that eliminates inequity. And that's in our homes. So personally, it's in our governments and it's in our corporations, it's in our institutions, and it spreads globally. So when I think about the, you know, the pandemic of the coronavirus, which, you know, it's become a, a global viral contagion in the same way that racism has become a global viral contagion, I would like to start a global viral contagion of anti-racism. And I think that starts, you know, here in your heart. It starts with the way you are moving being and breathing and having your being in the world. And that brings me to, oh, so we have Victoria has uh, shared something here and um, I'm actually going to bring it on the screen so everybody can, can see this. So Victoria starts, for me, it is understanding cultural diversity by learning and if possible, living in a multicultural environment. It is by actively listening, processing the information, asking myself and others hard questions and doing my best to answer from a place of empathy, making a conscious decision to live every day, very mindful of my actions as I move through my day filled with empathy and compassion. If I also see something wrong, I speak up and speak loudly against the very issues. And I'll just see if I can finish this here. Uh, oops. Um, it's such a beautiful statement. I speak up and speak loudly against these issues that are, are working against herself and society. So, Victoria, thank you so much for sharing that. Victoria is in... Um, she just completed Unpacking Racism, version 1.0, and she has just recently joined to continue the conversation and 2.0. So we thank you for your contribution. We thank you for your work. Victoria is also a healthcare professional and works in the field of occupational therapy, which is also a field where minorities are drastically underrated. Um, in the medical community, uh, we're talking about, you know, the docs now, ooh, we're, we're like less than 4%. So again, you know, 
13% of a population yet underrepresented and what arguably might be the most important aspect of being a human and that's our humanness and our humanity and our health you know health is wealth as some people would say so thank you thank you good morning james and thank you so much for tuning in and joining us so if anyone else has any thoughts about becoming an anti-racist go ahead and drop that in the chat what that means to you we've already got an international audience on here this is something that's being shared globally and certainly as this episode comes to an end, please share this with your community. This is an important conversation. And the life that you might save might be the life of one of the people that you're looking at right now. Every day, I worry that when my husband and my sons walk out the door, they might not come home that night. And I've had some experiences as a parent that have terrified me because there's been some close calls and Thaddeus will give you an opportunity to to talk about that as well. But Kathy, now one of the things I love about our course is that we've integrated both movement and breath into the course. And I'd like you to tell us why we've done that and then give us an experience. I think we're about midway through here and this would be a good time for all of us to breathe because I feel my shoulders going up a little bit here. Yeah. And Thaddeus alluded to just, and you may be noticing, um, you know, both the panel and the uh, folks that are listening and will listen later that even as some topics come up, maybe something you hadn't heard before, something that reminded you of something, just uh, noticing how you're feeling that in our body. And yes, we do in the course really inter intermingle that awareness and not just feeling it, you know, me feeling shame or me feeling angry or whatever it is, not just dismissing it, but feeling that feeling, but not leaving people with that feeling as they leave the evening of the course. Um, and so we really uh, introduce a lot of mind-body techniques, and the one that in particular is the breath. I know when we were kind of previewing this conversation yesterday, Carol, and certainly for me, you know, being in Minneapolis, uh, breath became a national um, picket. You know, I can't breathe. And again, it's a basic right. And that breath is what we need to survive, obviously. I mean, I'm a family doctor. I'm a, I live in a rural area. I delivered lots of babies and I'm so lucky to you know, be there at the first breath, but also be there at the last breath. And so breath is what brings us into the world. Um, and so I'm just going to lead us in just a very simple breathing um, exercise. So I invite uh, the panels and panel and anyone that's not driving to join us. And um, you can mindfully drive if you happen to be doing that. Um, you can do anything. You can mindfully eat. You can mindfully take your shower. But right now we're going to mindfully breathe. And so just notice, first of all, where you are. And as I often do in our course and anytime that I'm speaking for a moment, I'm going to take the liberty of uh, inviting you to feel your feet on the ground if that's where you are. And then that leads me to want to give gratitude uh, to my to the ancestors, uh, those that owned the land that I sit on uh, before me, which is part of our America's history for sure and many other areas.
and a, and a blessing also and a prayer from Mother Earth. And all that she's enduring. And then perhaps let that thought go and settle back into the breath. Perhaps breathing in through your nose and out through your mouth. And on this day, I'm going to give gratitude for my breath as well. I'm lucky. I can breathe another breath. I can breathe clean air. And I know, I know that's privilege. And perhaps noticing that breath sinking into your belly. Thoughts come as they will. Just notice them. If you want to follow them, fine. Or perhaps I'll get back to you later, thought. I'm going to just settle into my breath, into my body this moment. Perhaps even noticing your belly rise a little bit with your in-breath. And fall with your out-breath. Perhaps even noticing those shoulders relax a little bit as you sink into the relaxation response. We can hold both. We can hold awareness and relaxation for a moment. Perhaps making each out breath a little longer as you breathe in through your nose and out through the mouth. If you wish, you can perhaps even say some words to yourself, perhaps this as you breathe in, and moment as you breathe out. This is the moment. This is the moment we have. And another breath in and out. And you're welcome to open your eyes or continue breathing in this way if you, if you wish. If you need to stretch a little bit, feel free. And then now the noticing. Notice how you feel now. I know for me, I feel more settled in my body. I feel a little bit more aware in my mind. Uh, better able to receive. And Carol, when you were talking earlier this um, uh, this evening, this morning about um, you know healthcare disparities and what it's like to even you know to go to the the doctor, and even just a part of my my thought is, of course, there is you know an increase in um, so many uh, illnesses in people that are living in black and brown bodies because every day is a stress response. Just being in the world is a stress response. Yes. So that came to me as well. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. That was beautiful. And again, if anyone has any comments, you know, how do you feel if you did that with us, notice that and share that with us, go ahead and post that in the chat and a happy good morning and a happy Sunday to, and welcome to Rebecca. Ooh, so Sharon is saying, I so needed that breathing. Yes, 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 yes. 
So some of you uh, might be there with Sharon who said, I so needed that breathing. And isn't that true? I know I so needed that. So again, thank you. You know, and one of the things you talk about disease burden. So interestingly enough, in uh, 2013, uh, it was April 28th, actually, 2013, I was diagnosed with diabetes. And even though diabetes um, does not, does, runs in my family, of course, being a doctor, I said, ooh, you know, how does this happen? Blah, 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 blah. And it was, turns out that my version of, you know, of my disease, of how it has shown up in my body was completely stress-induced. So when you talk about that stress response, and at the time I was, good morning and welcome, Denise. I was chief resident. Yikes. Um, my um, ex-husband had decided he was no longer paying child support. And our son was a senior in high school, getting ready to go to college. I was in a long distance relationship and I, you know, I, I was, I was a resident, I was chief resident and if, you know, so and it was too much. My system just couldn't handle it. Every day was a stress response. Every day was a stress response. And it was very interesting because the only um, and this was for a couple of months. The only symptom I had in my pre presenting uh, symptom was profound fatigue. And I thought, well, of course you're tired. Look at everything that you're doing. Um, but it was a type of fatigue that I had never experienced before and it persisted. So that's, you know, a little example of, of what stress can do to a body. You know, so I, I'm living it. Uh, what happens when there's this like incredible uh, stress response. So, um, so Rebecca is saying the emotional and mental effects of trauma people in black and brown bodies experience every day just by being definitely affects physical health. Yes. And again, it's becoming more and more documented, but I say, you know, what, you know, what can we do about that? We need to be about the business of doing about that. And for those of us in, in healthcare, I think that can be a part of our anti-racist pathway, our anti-racist activism, because I'll say that's the other word. We've heard the word activity uh, brought up a couple of times. So Thaddeus, I'd, I'd like to, um, you know, turn the mic over to you. I know in this past year, my son has been held at gunpoint. My son has been knocked to the ground by a police officer on, uh, was a mounted police officer. He was on a horse and my son is absolutely terrified of horses. And um, he was not further physically hurt because an another protester literally threw her body on top of his and said, if you're going to hurt him, you're going to have to crack my skull first. And my son was able to walk away from both of those experiences, psychologically and spiritually wounded, but physically intact. Thaddeus, I think you have a, another story to share. Uh, yes, uh, yes, unfortunately. And uh, I just want to connect to that breath that uh, Dr. Kathy Farah just did and how um, she supervised me when we were working with healthcare professionals in the uh, veterans uh, network. And um, that inspired me to be um, more present to and, and, and 
to strengthen me as an intervener and as an anti-racist and as a, a, um, a facilitator of mind-body skills. So when recently when my worlds uh, intersected because of my son Noah, up, and I'm in Rochester, New York right now, and Rochester, New York is where there are most recent demonstrations uh, related to the killing of, and a mental, in a mental health crisis, the killing of Daniel Prude. And when my son found out about it, he's 22 years old, he reacted that he was outraged that this was his moment in his city where he was born. He was only living, uh, came back temporarily to be with his uh, mom and grandparent, uh, grandma. Um, he said this was his moment, inspired by a friend he had just recently lost, a schoolmate who was an activist and was killed in the process in the Philippines. So he was inspired by his friend. He took action. And during that demonstration, he was shot in the face with what is called a pepper ball. And it lodged in his eye. And he is now has significant damage to his eye. And he may not regain sight. If not for being present to my own self-care, how I would have reacted and responded to this would be different and maybe not productive, counterproductive. But I was able to connect with my CMBM family, my Center for Mind Body Medicine family, get the support I needed to make clear decisions, connect with my national organization of Black law enforcement executives family, to get support and get clarity on steps to take. And today uh, we are moving forward with his healthcare and his, um, his legal matters. And I'm here uh, with him now. And um, as a black man and as a dad, it, may, it seems my journey through my own stress and trauma uh, while working in, the, in law enforcement that was created by law enforcement internally, not just the, the, the challenges we dealt with on the street and the upsets and, and ways we found people, but what was actually, how did racism show up internally to other members? How did, how were women treated and an LBGTQ community treated internally within the organization? And so at this moment, um, with and through my son's experience, it's almost as if we are in a position, and this is what he said, to contribute in a way. So his sacrifice, that's what he said last night, his sacrifice feels um, worth it. He, he acknowledged and accepted that he may lose his eyesight because he took a stand against injustice. And wow, if not for, if not for this work, I would have had a different response. And I don't think it would have been productive and as effective and as helpful to him in his healing and to see the continued role he can play and his mom's healing. And thank you, Dr. Penn. <laughs> and um, and uh, wow, I just feel... Um, a deep uh, gratitude and, 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 and I feel strengthened by being in this community and doing this mindfulness work and taking a hard, direct look at systemic racism, uh, not, and, and not mincing words about it, 
um, looking at it for what it is and accepting what, and we have a moment. So I'm stepping into that moment. And so Noah is stepping in with me today. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much, that is. Thank you. So, you know, this work for, for those of us um, here on the panel, and certainly for me, it's deeply, deeply, deeply personal. And for those that are so inclined to become allies, and I'm going to ask everyone to just share briefly, what, what does it mean to be an ally? It means, you know, I invite you as a person who can be an ally to step up and to stand in the gap. And so in the course helps people make that journey and to see, you know, what their place might be in it. But I would like to just give such props and shout outs to um, our son, Keita and our son, Noah, for being brave enough, conscious enough, they put their lives on the line for something greater than themselves, just as my parents did back in the um, 1960s and by joining in the peaceful protest and the civil rights marches. And, you know, they live to tell the tale, but this is, there is some danger involved. You can get hurt, you can lose your life, but this is, you know, this is this is how important it is. This is what the 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 battle is about. This is what the awareness is about. This is what the opportunity is for the evolution of the human spirit. Can we get it right? Can what are we going to be? What is our generation going to be remembered for? Are we going to be remembered for contributing to humanity? Are we going to be re remembered as the generation that messed it up totally and completely and finally, you know, kind of the last straw? So, so Rebecca is saying, thank you. Thaddeus, holding you and your son in compassion. So, yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you. So any thoughts on what allyship means? Again, I think allyship means, you know, you know, linking arms in arms. I think it means if you look at the young people that are out here protesting, you know, or doing what they're doing, it might mean what could you do in your own family? What can you do uh, at your own job? And maybe you need some tools and some language and some words. And so I would love to see you in Unpacking Racism version 2.0. And DM, if you could drop that in the chat again. And Kathy, let's go around this way. Kathy Thaddeus and then DM on what does it mean to be an ally? I'm learning what it means to be an ally. Uh, to me, I think it's just an extension of being an anti-racist. And by the way, I was rereading re um, both White Fragility and Tears We Cannot Stop by Michael Eric Dyson this morning. And um, a, there was a reminder in there that I thought I might share too, that being an anti-racist, being an ally, isn't being anti-American. And I think I'm, I'm, I'm fearful that that's being equated. Um, in fact, it's being um, pro-American as far as I'm concerned. And being an ally is being willing to look at what, what I, how I'm implicit 
and to um, to do the work in in changing that. And I know in the course, the um, the feedback that we get is that it's a safe place to explore, um, to be honest. Um, it, there's a, um, some small group sharing where we have a topic and discuss things, and we even practice. How would we, in a situation where I've been in a lot, um, you know, where someone says something that might be offensive, practicing, how do we actually say this? Because I've heard some of my white friends say, I, I just don't, I'm afraid of saying something wrong. And of course, I'm going to say something wrong is what I say. Um, and, and so it's just even like practicing that. That's how I feel that allyship is and how our course can help us be better allies. Hopefully that's helpful. Hmm. So yes, thank you, thank you very much. So Thaddeus, are you, are you ready to share about what allyship means? Sure, it's um, having the experience of being a, a, a connected to other human beings in a way that makes you move to act in the way that you can, when you can, to support their well-being because you see it as your own. We're, we're not separate. And um, what I learned when I went to law school many years ago, I know a law school dropout, but proudly a law school dropout, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> that was not my destiny. That was not my direction. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, um, I learned about during the Civil War and Deconstruction, there were many, many whites that helped the, the slaves who were escaping the the and and after being the emancipation proclamation as the confederacy was um retaliating and there the many 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 whites were allies throughout the nations and formed pockets of powerful communities and i think some up there in your area dr kathy uh, missouri and and up in that area and minnesota if i'm not mistaken and I had the experience when I was in the police department of having allies who were actively talking about changing the system, acknowledging that there was racism in law enforcement and it had to change. And that really was uh, uh, inspiring. And we're not alone. And it's not just a, a black problem or a brown problem or, or uh, 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 it's a or gender, it's all of our problems. And so to embrace an ally is someone who embraces uh, our struggle as common. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Thaddeus. And I've just shared, um, you saw, I put how you can get in touch with Dr. Kathy. This is how you can reach Thaddeus. And DM, what are your thoughts about allyship? What does that mean to become an ally? I think for me to be, for me to be an ally, I have to help other people, um, get back down to the roots. You know, we talk about racism, but we forgot about humanity. You know, we're humans. The humanitarian um, piece has been lost because we've been told to focus on our differences. And if we look at what we have in common, that's the bridge. That's why I've been working in the arts because, you know, we can look at what we have in common. And then all of a sudden the conversation shifts. If we focus on what makes us different, whether it's where we live, how we look, the color of our skin, our, our, our uh, accents, yeah, we're going to be separate. So I'd like to be an ally. I like to help other people see that point of commonality, to see that centralism that keeps us together as one. 
Mormonism is what I think is the core yeah. of being an ally. All right. Well, hold that thought. We're about to wrap the hour. It always flies by. So the name of the show is Weightless and Mind, Body and Spirit. And it is we're coming to you every week right up to just before the Thanksgiving Sunday mornings at 7 a.m., 6 a.m., 5 a.m., depending upon where you are. And the title of the show has a double meaning. Of course, as an obesity medicine specialist, I'm always looking at this multifactorial disease process that affects absolutely every organ system in the body, including our psychological and spiritual. And there's the other meaning. What does it mean to you, DM, when I say to that spiritual lift, to have the weight lifted off your shoulders? What does it mean to you to be weightless in mind, body, and spirit? I think you have to unmute. Uh, to be weightless is to be free. To be weightless in mind, body, and spirit is to free yourself from what has restrained you from becoming your real self, what you've been hidden, what you've been hiding. So to be weightless in mind, body, and spirit is to embrace yourself, which then allows you to embrace others. So I encourage everyone to come on and join this conversation. Um, we're not the only ones, but we are a safe place. And I look forward to all those who are willing to join. All right. And Kathy, what does it mean to you to be weightless in mind, body, and spirit? I also was thinking of being free um, and just, yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, being thank free. you. Thaddeus, weightless in mind, body, and spirit. What does it mean? To access in the midst of turmoil and upset that peace that defies understanding. Yes, yes, the peace that surpasses all understanding. So listen, y'all, I would love to continue the conversation. You can go and just, you know, take a shot of, of my link and let's get on. Let's talk to me. Let's have a discovery call. Let's find out more about unpacking racism, what it means to be an anti-racist what it mean in whatever color skin you're in, what it means to be an ally in whatever color skin you're in. And I thank you all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, sweetheart. Dream come true. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Thaddeus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you to all of our colleagues at the Center for Mind, Body, Medicine. Thank you, cmbn.org. And thank you, most importantly, to our children. Thank you to Keita for your sacrifice and your courage and brave heart. And thank you, thank you, thank you, Noah, for your sacrifice, your courage, and your determination. You've been knocked down, but you're already making statements about getting up and getting back out there and continuing on in the struggle. So let's not let these children and they're all our children. Our collect Let's not let these children be in this struggle alone. Let us be remembered because we became allies. We showed up and we walked arm in arm. So till next time. Yes, I like it. Yes, here we go. Arm in arm. Till next time. This is yours truly, Dr. Carol Penn. You've been enjoying Weightless in Mind, Body, and Spirit. And I can't wait. Join me tomorrow morning. Meditation, 7 a.m. Same place, same channel. Take care. Bye.